This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The Kremlin said it had signed a contract with the Akmat Group, a Chechen parliamentary organisation that would bring it under the Defence Ministry's control. The announcement comes a day after Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group, a Russian mercenary outfit, said his fighters would sign no such contract. Mr Prigozhin is in a long-running feud with the Defence Ministry, which he accuses of incompetence. Meanwhile, Ukraine claimed to have liberated a fourth village from Russian forces in the eastern region of Donetsk. Silvio Berlusconi, Italy's former Prime Minister, died aged 86 after battling leukaemia. Mr Berlusconi, a flamboyant media magnate, led four governments for the centre-right Forza Italia party between 1994 and 2011. His career was rocked by sex scandals, corruption allegations and a conviction for tax fraud. He had returned to Italy's upper house, the Senate, after a national election in September. America's Federal Trade Commission will reportedly seek to block Microsoft from acquiring Activision Blizzard, the game studio that makes Call of Duty. The FTC will file for an injunction to prevent the $69 billion deal due to go through in July, arguing that the merger could allow the tech giant to suppress consumer choice. British regulators earlier blocked the deal. The EU has approved it. JP Morgan Chase agreed to pay $290 million to settle a class-action lawsuit with one of Jeffrey Epstein's victims, who claims it profited from Mr Epstein's abuse. The American bank still faces litigation with its former executive, Jess Staley, and the US Virgin Islands government. Last month, Deutsche Bank, where Mr Epstein was also a client, agreed to pay $75 million to settle a similar lawsuit. Fox News told Tucker Carlson to stop airing content on Twitter, sending the former primetime host a cease and desist letter. Since the network sacked him in April, Mr Carlson has filmed two segments for the social media site. Fox is still paying Mr Carlson and says they are a violation of his contract, which runs through 2024. UBS imposed strict restrictions on Credit Suisse, after the Swiss bank completed the takeover of its rival. Prohibited redline activities include a ban on new clients from high-risk countries such as Russia. Credit Suisse's final years as an independent bank were marred by scandals, which an internal report blamed on a, quote, lackadaisical attitude towards risk. Radio New Zealand, a public service broadcaster, suspended an employee as it investigated the editing of Newswire reports to include pro-Russian narratives about the war in Ukraine. RNZ identified at least 16 reports from wire services, including Reuters, that had unattributed additions, complete with references to American-backed coups and, quote, neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine. The company's chief executive called the rewrites, quote, pro-Kremlin garbage. And figure of the day, 9,000, the number of Chinese firms hit by Western sanctions. 
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Donald Trump heads to criminal court again. On Tuesday, Donald Trump, the only former president who has been criminally indicted, is set to record yet another first. When he appears at Wilkie D. Ferguson Jr. Courthouse in Miami, he will be the only president to be arraigned in a federal court, possibly by a judge whom he appointed when he was president. Mr. Trump is charged with 37 felonies for allegedly mishandling classified documents, storing them, for instance, in the ballroom of his Mar-a-Lago estate and obstructing federal authorities' investigation. Mr. Trump rails against the indictment. Over the weekend, he warned his supporters that federal officials are, quote, coming after you. Concerns about disorder are warranted. The local chapter of Proud Boys, a white supremacist group, is reportedly organizing a rally outside the courthouse. Mr. Trump's arraignment in Lower Manhattan in April was a chaotic but ultimately peaceful circus. Security officials will be hoping the same is true in Miami. Artificial Intelligence Gets Its First Law On Tuesday, the European Parliament will discuss, and then a day later vote on, what will be the world's first comprehensive law to regulate artificial intelligence, the AI Act. Lawmakers want to regulate AI systems based on the harm they can cause, for instance, by making impact assessments mandatory for the most risky ones. The bill will probably not fully come into effect before 2025. The various branches of the EU's bureaucracy need to agree on a final version. Still, tech firms may end up complying with parts of the AIA before it is fully in force. The rules are also expected to influence a joint code of conduct on the technology that the EU and America announced in late May. Another hope is that the act will inform debate about AI regulation within the G7 group of rich democracies, which also includes Britain, Canada, and Japan. If everything goes according to plan, a big if, technology will, for once, not leave policy in the dust. American Inflation Tees Up Rate Skip Inflation remains uncomfortably high in America. Figures released on Tuesday are expected to show that core prices, stripping out volatile food and energy costs, rose by 0.4% in May from April. That is equivalent to an annualized rate of nearly 5%, more than double the Federal Reserve's target. Headline inflation probably slowed, largely thanks to falling energy prices. The price data come as the Fed gathers for a two-day meeting. A decision about interest rates is due on Wednesday. Normally, high inflation would oblige the bank to raise rates again, but many analysts contend that the economy has yet to feel the effect of the past year's aggressive tightening, arguing that rates are already restrictive enough. The Fed may thus strike a balance, keeping rates steady but describing that decision as a skip rather than a pause. In other words, it may resume raising rates as soon as next month if inflation stays high. Honduras's President Visits China On Tuesday, Shimara Castro, Honduras's president, wraps up a six-day visit to China, her first since the country's established diplomatic relations in March. That followed her government's decision to ditch Taiwan, a self-governing island that China claims as its own. Ms. Castro attended the opening of Honduras's embassy in Beijing and requested admission for her country to the New Development Bank, a Shanghai-based bank founded by members of the BRICS, a bloc of big emerging economies. Latin America's growing openness to China is causing alarm in Washington. China's investments pay little heed to environmental or labor regulations, and its economic interests are developing into security ties. 
Last week, reports emerged that Cuba had agreed to host a Chinese spying base. American and Cuban officials denied the story, though the New York Times later suggested that such a base had existed since 2019, citing an unnamed source in the Biden administration. Whatever the truth, many analysts think the reports are a sign of things to come in the region. Italian Politics After Berlusconi After the death on Monday of Silvio Berlusconi, who was a key figure in Italian politics for almost 30 years, politicians will begin to figure out what his absence means. One consequence could be friction with Giorgia Maloney's right-wing coalition, which includes Forza Italia, the party Mr. Berlusconi founded and led. Although it is polling at just 7%, FI has enough deputies and senators to be essential to the government's control of parliament. Mr. Berlusconi repeatedly shrank from naming a successor. An obvious candidate is the foreign minister Antonio Tajani, who has been an EU commissioner and president of the European Parliament. But last year, Mr. Berlusconi complicated matters with a, quote, symbolic marriage, an exchange of rings with no legal effect to Marta Fascina, a young FI lawmaker. She has since reportedly worked to secure control of the party. Without its charismatic leader, FI may simply disintegrate. In any event, its parliamentarians are now up for grabs by the other coalition parties. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Tuesday. What substance is associated with a 15th wedding anniversary? Monday. What was the name of the 2021 film that was a prequel to The Sopranos TV series? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anne Frank. No one has ever become poor by giving. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.